Thanks for listening to the Granary Church Podcast. For more information, head to granary.org.au or follow us on social media at The Granary Church. What we've been doing over the last couple of weeks is this, just to give you a picture of what's happening. Um, so not last week, but the week before, we looked at the vision of our church, which is bringing heaven to earth. And if I just said to you, that's the vision, well, let's do it, you might say, how will I do that? Good question. So the way you do it is that with, that's why you have a mission statement, which sort of breaks down your vision into tangible ways of doing something. And we have three aspects of our vision statement, our mission statement, as Rachel was describing. Last week, we talked about building the kingdom of God within us. That's about the Holy Spirit coming into you because the um, vision is on earth as, or bringing heaven to earth. That's the kingdom of God coming to earth. So build the kingdom of God within us. Secondly, we build the kingdom among, which is what we're talking about tonight. And thirdly, beyond. And Theo's going to be speaking about that next week. So before we get going any further, actually, this is probably the uh, the most the friendliest seating service that we've had all day. But if you look around, you see someone who's sitting by themselves, I just encourage you to say, do you want to come and sit with me? And if you're a boy by yourself, sit with a boy or a girl, sit by a girl or something like that in case someone feels awkward. So that's if that's what you do now. You're going to need a friend, by the way, in this. it's um. If you find this awkward, don't worry, there's more awkward to come. So uh, let's pray for our awkward night. Thank you, Lord, that we're here tonight, that we are brothers and sisters. This is a family. We belong to each other. Lord, I pray that you reveal to each one of us what that means and what our part in this family is. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so what I'm going to do tonight is I'm going to just quickly go through Romans chapter 12 and uh, not as deeply as we could do, but there's much as we can do in about 20 minutes and see what it says to us about this amazing thing called the body of Christ and how the kingdom of God lives amongst us, not just within you personally, but when we come together, it's amongst us. So I want to start in Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. So just going to pause there. Give your bodies to God. Now, sometimes when we think of that, you might think, well, that means if they want people to help clean up afterwards, I will help clean up. If they need help to unpack the truck at 10 a.m. on Wednesday morning at Granary Care, just throwing a little advertisement there, they do need that, you can do that. And that is part of it, but it's only a small part of it. To really understand what this is saying, look, there's some key words in here to give you a hint, and they are this, living and holy sacrifice, living and holy sacrifice. So when you hear the words living sacrifice, and holy sacrifice, what picture do you get in your head? To me, the picture I get in my head is Jesus on the cross. That is a living and holy sacrifice. And you and I have been called to present our bodies as living and holy sacrifice. So when Jesus died on the cross, it wasn't just him saying, I'll lend a hand. His body and your body encapsulates everything about you. Your thoughts, your words, your actions, your motives, your purpose, your vision, everything is encapsulated in your body. So to offer your body as a living and holy sacrifice, you are like Jesus. And consider Jesus giving his body for you. Think of it as you personally, as a living and holy sacrifice. He died a criminal's death on the cross. but It's important to know it's a criminal's death. Has anyone ever blamed you for something that you didn't do? And how do you feel on the inside? 
then you find out they're telling someone else that you did something that you didn't do. Do you feel mad? Generally, you feel really mad and indignant and you want to say, I'm innocent. But Jesus, for your sake, hung on the cross and he didn't defend himself. What's more, there'd been people who had spat on him, beaten him, whipped him, put a crown of thorns in his head, nailed his hands and his feet to the cross, stripped him off his clothes and hung him up there. And he said to them, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they are doing. There was a man on one side who asked him for mercy and he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. There was his mother at the foot of the cross and he said to his friend John, she's now your mother, look after her as your mother. So while he's dying on the cross for you, he's constantly thinking outward and he's saying, see, God has always loved us and he's told us that he's loved us, but he sent Jesus to show us what love really is. If you say, I believe in love, this is what you believe in. You believe in dying totally to yourself for the benefit of someone else. That is the picture of love. Jesus said, greater love has no man than he lays down his life for his friends. That's what we're called to do. If you've ever heard anyone say, it's pretty arrogant that Jesus says, I am the way, think of Jesus hanging on the cross, naked and being condemned for something he didn't do. There's nothing arrogant in that. When Jesus says, I am the way, he's not saying because I'm full of myself. He's saying if you follow this way of life, it will bring blessing to you and it will bring blessing to other people. And if you're here tonight and you say, I'm a follower of Jesus, that's what you've said. I lay down my life and I follow you. I follow your way. So when we come together as the body of Christ, we come offering ourselves as a living and holy sacrifice, everything within us for the sake of everyone else. And then we go into the world and we live the same way for the sake of everyone else. And it's a high calling. And it sounds hard. And time, at times it's very hard. We've got to be real with ourselves. It's very hard. And the reason it's very hard is because we don't want to do it sometimes. Because it's hard. But it's the way. Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. If you want to find the way, if you want to find truth, and you want to find life, that is the way. And anyone who's truly followed him has found that it works, that it's true. So that's the premise that we come into with the body of Christ. It says, uh, sorry, just back to the other one, in where it said this. Um, so don't copy the behaviour and customs of this world. And I think with the, when we talk about the behaviour and customs of this world, we often think of, you know, like, I don't know, just stuff that people do. If you want to know what the behaviour and customs of this world is, it's living for yourself. And he's saying, um, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. So it starts in here. What you do comes out of your head. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. In some translations, instead of learn to know, it says prove. So what it's saying, and you can go to that next slide, where it says the Greek word for prove is dokimos, which means to test. And it means that if you take God's word and you actually obey it, even if it's difficult, you actually put your faith in him and you obey it, you will prove that God's will for you is wonderful. Wonderful, good, pleasing and perfect. And as the body of Christ comes together, you will find that this is amazing. This actually works. All you've got to do is do what he says and you'll find that it actually works. If you don't do what it says, it won't work. And you'll end up with a mess. If you do what he says, it will work. So let's move on. Romans 12, 3 to 5. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. It's going to be a couple of warnings tonight. Here's the first one. Don't think you're better than you really are. 
Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. So what does it mean to think you're better than you really are? Sometimes I think we um, we get this a bit wrong. So if I'm, you know, talking to um, Pip over here and I say, Pip, you are just amazing at connecting with people. And she goes, oh, no, not really, not really, because she doesn't want me to, she wants to act like she doesn't think she's better than she really is. And we kind of do that, you know, you're a great singer, you're a great dancer, you're great this, and we oh, no, no, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm only average really. And in your heart you think, I'm actually amazing. I know I'm amazing, but I don't want to say it unless I look like I think I'm better than I really am. It doesn't mean that at all. This is what it really means. You see, every single one of you here is actually gifted in some area, and that area that you are gifted in is a gift. You didn't wake up one day um, if you're um, a singer and you can sing well. You didn't wake up one day and say, I'm going to make myself into a singer because you already have the ability to sing. The gift has already been given to you. And my son Josh, who's a teacher and a really good teacher, when he was a high school boy and um, my niece who was in kinder was over and I heard him say to her um, in another room, I heard him say, she was staying overnight. And he said, can you um, get your homework out? I'm going to help you do your homework. And she said, I only have to do homework if I'm in my own home. And he said, really? I've never heard of that before. She guessed, true, I only do it in my own home. He said, I think you're tricking because you don't know how to do your homework. He goes, she says, I do know how to do my homework. He said, no, you don't. She said, I do. No, you don't. I do. I do know how to do my homework. She said, oh, get it out. Let's have a look. Let's see if you really know how to do it. Before long, she'd done her reader and all her homework. And I went to him and I said, you have the right to do anything you want to do in your life, but let me tell you something. You're a teacher. You just know how to do this. Firstly, you wanted to teach her. Secondly, you were able to motivate her to do it. All you need is um, university education to give you the paper and the right to do it, but you're already a teacher. It's already in you. And for each of you, you already have something that's in you. But the problem is when you, you don't have to sort of be shy about it because it's, it's, um, it's God in you. So when you hear um, Andy and Kate up here singing and when you hear the guys on their instruments over here playing, that is God in them. God is a singer. God is a musician. And all those gifts that come as part of God, they have part of God in them and they're serving you with that. But when you see someone greeting you at the door and they're warm and they're welcoming, that is God in them. When you see someone painting or when you see someone doing finances, amazing, it's God in them. So when you have a gift, you don't have to say, oh, no, I'm not really good at it because you know you are. And what you have is this gift. You have a gift from God and you can actually rejoice in that and it's good to know what it is, to be able to say to someone, I'm actually good at this. Because God gifted me with a part of his very nature. And that's why you enjoy doing it, because it's God. There's something about doing the part of you that is God in you that is very enjoyable. So here's a little practice for you. I want you to turn to someone and tell them what your gifts are. What are you really good at? And don't say it in a way like, oh, I'm not that good. Say, thank you that I've been given. This is amazing. This is part of God in me. 20 seconds to do that. Turn to someone and tell them. Okay. Hand up if the person next to you, if you and the other person had exactly the same gift. 
See, anyone? Yes, two over here. Oh, your father and son. What's your gift that you share? Great. Great. It's been passed down. It's great. But you see, on the whole, you have a huge variety because we're all the body of Christ. Together we make up the body of Christ. And so we go on to the next that slide that says this. So this is so this is how it works. Firstly, four things I'm going to tell you about the body of Christ. Firstly, is that we have these actions that we do. And it says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. And you've just been told all these things. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, as Lisa Burgess has and other people here, then speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, Matt just got up here and fixed up my computer, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if God has given you a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. And don't look around and think, oh, I really want to encourage people, but I'm the only one doing it. That's because it's your gift. Like, just do it. Don't have to wait to see if everyone else is going to do it first. That's what you're good at. Go and do it. And uh, if it's not your gift, then go and do what, what is your gift. And so you do it really well and you, you, you see God gives you the raw material and you work hard to get better and better and better at your gift. And the church, which is the body of Christ, which is the family of God, needs your gift. If you're not operating in your gift, we're all deprived in some way. Everyone needs to be doing it. It's not a matter of sort of saying I'm amazing. It's a matter of saying I'm humbled that I've been given this gift. And don't waste it. It's dishonouring to God to have a gift and you squander it. So do it incredibly well. Secondly, our motives. So it says in Romans 12, 9, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honouring each other. These are ways that we can... um. Be the body of Christ together. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in, are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. So looking at our motives here, now this was written 2,000 years ago to the church in Rome and things have changed a lot in society since then in some ways but in other ways they've never changed because people are people and humanity is the same. And so when he says don't just pretend to love others, really love them and love each other with genuine affection, what he means is that sometimes we pretend to love people. Sometimes we put on an image Sometimes we say nice things and we smile at people, but inside we don't like them. Sometimes we're going to use some words tonight that we don't like to refer to about ourselves, such as hate. Sometimes we actually hate people. And we could say, I don't really hate them. I just don't want to ever see them, which actually means hate. We don't like to say hate because other people hate and other people are evil and they do. we just intensely dislike or are severely irritated or annoyed by someone. But let's be real tonight. Tonight's real. Sometimes we hate people and sometimes they're people far away from us. We don't even know them but we've got opinions about them, about the way they rule or do different things or sing songs or act or whatever. Sometimes they're people who sit around your dinner table and you intensely dislike. I'm very intolerant to them. It really means that we hate them. And sometimes we fake it. We pretend to love others. And he's saying, don't do that. You know, sometimes I've heard 
was particularly when I youth pastor, I'd hear people say my parents are hypocrites because, um, you know, at home they're grumpy and we drive to church and they're arguing in the car and then we walk in and Russell's greeting them at the door. Russell says, good morning. And suddenly they go, oh, hello, Russell. And they stand there going, hypocrites. And, you know, they're kind of right. Now, it doesn't mean that you don't, that they stay the same. And Russell says, good morning. And they say, get lost or something like that, Russell. They wouldn't, we don't want them to say that. But what I mean is that what we tend to do is we have this practice of making ourselves look really, really good. Why do we do that? What's our motive behind doing that? Because all of us have done it at some point. What is our motive? So you've got 60 seconds to work amongst yourselves to discover what is the motive for pretending to love people when we don't really love them. What's the motive? So off you go. Okay, getting quiet. You must have the answer. Let's hear a few answers. What's our motive for pretending to love people? Who's got an answer? Hosanna is the reason for pretending to love people. Right. What's your answer? To avoid conflict. Good answer. What else? Obligation? Yes, it's a good answer. Yes. That's a good answer. That's my answer. Shelby. That's a good answer. Any other answers? So all the answers are right, basically. All the, you know why the answers are right, because we've all done it. And all you're doing is looking in your heart to see why you do that. But I think with motives, you have a motive and you pull it off and then you'll find there's a deeper motive for that motive and then you pull it off and there's a deeper motive for that motive and you get right down to the very bottom motive. And I think the very bottom motive is that we want to be loved. That's why we pretend to love people. We want to be loved. And you should not be ashamed of wanting to be loved. You are created to be loved. The problem is when we do things because we want to be loved, we put up this facade, we try to create this facade that makes us look squeaky clean and behind it we know that we're not squeaky clean and yet we have Jesus who died for our sins to make us squeaky clean and you can receive the gift of squeaky clean. And so if you want to know how to really love, to come in with this pure motive, you see, when you walk into a room and you're really conscious of who likes me and who doesn't like me, you are totally aware of your need to be loved. And if you can walk into a room and you are totally loved and satisfied with who you are, your motive changes and you walk into a room to love. And Jesus told a story about a woman who um, he had had great mercy on. She was a woman, it says, of ill repute, and which means she was discarded in society. And she came to a room where he was having dinner with some other people and she washed his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair and people looked at her with disgust and disdain. And he so stood up for her and he said, the one who has been forgiven much loves much. And here's the problem with us as human beings. We don't like God to look at our hearts and show us the sin that is in our hearts. We don't even like to say that we're sinners. Well, we like to say it just for a few things. Yeah, I'm a sinner because I do a few little things, but we don't really want God to shine the spotlights on the depths of our hearts and see the darkness that is actually in our hearts. But the amazing thing happens is when we do and we come to him and he's the only one, because when we create these images, it's because we don't like what's inside. When we come to Jesus, he actually deals with what's inside. So you can have, you have two choices in life. You keep pretending that there's nothing wrong inside or you come to Jesus and he changes you so that you become increasingly pure and like him 
on the inside. He deals with all the sin and the brokenness. And uh, there's a book that I've been reading called The Grace Outpouring. It's about a revival that's happening in Wales. It's been happening for a bit now and it's... um started with just the prayer of blessing. But there was a story I was reading in here which I think shows exactly why this is so important. And he talks about a man he knew who was a businessman. He went to some breakfast, business breakfast with him, and he said one morning after just eating breakfast with him, I was back in my office praying when I felt God impress on me that this was the time for this man and not to miss it. So I called him up and asked to see him. He was rather resistant at first but agreed to have coffee ready in 10 minutes. So he goes to his office and he says, Peter, God has told me that this is the time when you have to make a decision. You've been hearing the good news about Jesus. Now God is calling you to acknowledge that you are sinful. He looked at me and he said, well, I'm sorry, but I look at my life and I don't see myself as a sinner at all. I do pretty well. I don't see that there's anything different in my life to the best people I know. I don't think I need a saviour because I'm not sinful. Fair enough, that's no problem, I said. Do you mind if we just pray for a moment? He grumbled but agreed. So I gently asked the Lord to cause the spirit of truth and conviction to come upon my good friend. There was a moment's silence, then a wail of anguish shook his six-foot-four frame and it crashed across his desk as he shouted, God, I'm so sinful. Oh, God, I've messed my life up. Oh, God, there is so much sin in me. Have mercy. When he had quieted down a bit, I reminded him of the faithfulness of God and of his promise to forgive. He asked God to have mercy on him, to forgive him his sins because of what Jesus had done. And then he prayed, Lord Jesus, will you now come and reign in my life and make me a new person? And will you put your Holy Spirit within me so that I can live as a new being in step with you? Come and help me. I'm weak. I'm physically big as a man. I'm exceptionally strong. But at the core of me, I acknowledge that I am weak. You are the one who is mighty. Help me. Amen. And that was the beginning of the transformation of that man's life. And it's because he was brave enough. You've got to be brave to actually to let God have a look at your heart. Otherwise, you just spend your whole life covering it up and not being real with yourself. But when you do, an amazing thing happens. You experience God's love. He looks at you and he doesn't judge you and condemn you. He says, come to me and I'll take it all away. And I'll give you my righteousness, my goodness. I will make you white as snow, the Bible says. I'll make you able to stand before me as holy and blameless without a single fall. And when you actually have seen your darkness and you see his light, you fall to your knees in thankfulness. And when you see people, you do not judge them. You do not condemn them because you've been aware of yourself and all you want to do is love them and bless them and allow them to receive the same love that you have received. And so when you walk into a room, you are not self-conscious. You're conscious of how you can bless other people and just comes from having a view of yourself before God and receiving his grace and his mercy and it changes your motive and you start to live for an audience of one. You no longer are the audience in the room. Jesus is the audience and you live for him and you can't lose in life because you're not worried about what they think about you. You just want to love him. So we looked at our actions, our motives, now we're looking at our words. Romans 12 says this, Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honourable. Everyone can see that you are honourable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. 
You know, God created the world with his words and he spoke the world into existence. You look through the book of, um, through the Gospels and through the book of Acts and you'll see the disciples who were filled with the Holy Spirit understood the power of their words. In fact, when Jesus sent them out, when the disciples went out two by two and then when the Holy Spirit came in the book of Acts, you'll see how they healed people. And you won't see them say, dear God, please heal this person. So, for instance, um, it's uh, the Peter and John in Acts chapter 3 going to the temple and on the way there's the gate called the Gate Beautiful and there's a lame man at that gate and he wants money. You might know this story. And they go up to him and they don't say, dear God, please heal this lame man. They say, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And they healed him. Now, we don't do that very much because that's scary, isn't it? actually going up to someone and saying, in the name of Jesus Christ, be healed. And it's the same with blessing. We've got this power of words, and it says that we can use our words to bless or to curse. Here's another word we don't like to use. You know, we don't like to use the word hate. We don't like to use the word curse because we don't actually want to use our words to curse. We just want to be black and white. We just want to tell the truth about the situation. And uh, you are hopeless and just telling you the truth. It's got to be truthful here. And those words can be a curse. Many of us, since we were little, have had people say things over us that were really negative and they actually become a curse on your life because you believe them about yourself. And then as we grow up, we don't stop doing that. We say it to people or we say it about people and they become curses in so many ways because we actually change people's view of themselves or other people's view of those people. And we, even as the children of God, do the same thing. That's why he's writing to the church here and saying, use your words to bless. And there's something amazing about the power of blessing. You can pray, dear God, please bless this person, but you actually have the ability to bless. You have the Holy Spirit within you. And in the name of Jesus Christ, just like you can say, in the name of Jesus Christ, be healed. You can say, in the name of Jesus Christ, I bless you. And you take something from the truth of the word of God and you bless them. Here's some examples from scripture of blessings. The Lord bless you and keep you, which means like protect you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you as like a symbol of his favour and give you peace. May God give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. May God be gracious to you and bless you and make his face shine upon you. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is so great you will never fully understand it. And may you be filled with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. May Christ make his home in your heart through faith. May your love abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to God's glorious might. May you be filled with joy. May the master pour in the love so it fills your life and splashes over on everyone around you. May the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. You have the ability to do that. You take the truth of the word of God and you declare it over them in the name of Jesus. And so if I was going to bless Mark today, which I'm going to do, I would look at Mark and I'd say, Mark, in the name of Jesus, I bless you with an inner confidence that God has you in his hand. He loves you. He has an amazing plan for he, your life. God is really pleased with you and I bless you with the knowledge that you are his precious son. He looks at you and says, well done, good and faithful servant. I see your honesty and your integrity. I bless you with that knowledge. 
I bless you with comfort that God is with you every moment of your life. I bless you with healing and bless you with joy and bless you with peace. And may you experience his peace and know that he's working all things together for good in your life. Bless you with vision to fulfill the dreams that God has placed in your heart. Bless you in the name of Jesus. Amen. And Mark receives it. How does it feel to be blessed? And you receive it. And everything I said over Mark is lines up with the word of God. There's nothing there that is like, fairy tale it's all lines up with the word of god but what happens in our lives is that we limit ourselves because we see our inadequacies and we think it's silly to think that god could have a vision for us that could be amazing and you need someone else to speak it over you to lift the lid of your faith and lift the lid of your understanding of god's love for you which is greater than you can begin to understand so let's practice now when i say this some of you will think why did I come to church tonight? I hate doing this sort of thing. And I have some friends who come and tell me, I have friends who come and tell me they hate it when I say go and greet someone. So, you know, some people will say, I don't want to do this. You don't have to if you don't want to. But here's the worst that could happen. You have a go at blessing someone and you feel a little bit embarrassed. I think that's the worst. Maybe you can't think of anything. You'll think of something to say because I've got things up here to suggest you so you don't run out of things to say. But here's the best that could happen. You could actually release someone into greater blessing. You have the ability to do that by your words. And so what we're going to do is just get one person and bless them. You can look at them or you can close your eyes. But you need to say in, in the name of the Lord Jesus because it's from him. And then you can use something up here if you'd like to or just say to the Holy Spirit, well, how would you like me to bless them? Or God might by his spirit give you a picture. And speak that picture of blessing over them. Those of you who have that visual prophetic nature. I say, I bless you with this picture. I see you in such and such a way. Those of you who have that visual nature will know what I mean. So you can have a go at that. So I'm going to give you two minutes to do this. And I'm saying to you, give it a go and step out of your comfort zone. Because everybody needs to be blessed and encouraged. And you have the ability to do that. Two minutes. Off you go. Okay, time to finish up. If you're still blessing someone, keep going. So hand up if you enjoyed receiving a blessing. Hand up if you enjoyed giving a blessing. after. Yeah, it's beautiful. Now you now have the ability to bless. Try and do it every day. If you can do it in front of someone, do it. Send them a text message. Send them an email. Bless people. And you will find you will be transformed. And just to finish off, so we've gone through actions, words, sorry, actions, motives, words. And our final thing is our position in all of this. You've got to understand your position. There's spiritual positions in the heavenly realms. And sometimes we take the wrong position. So here's the two positions that you could take. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord, because God's on your side. You have to deal with it. If someone's wounded you, let God deal with it. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. I don't think it just means food. I think it means give them something to nourish them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on their head. Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to do this. Ha, ha. Now how crummy do you feel? It doesn't mean that, okay? What it means is this. Picture it like this. 
When this was written, everyone required a fire to keep their water boiling and keep their food coming. And if your fire starts to go out, that's a problem. And sometimes all you have is a few little burning embers left. But if your neighbour comes with some burning coals and puts them on, it actually ignites their fire. And I would say anyone who's an enemy in your life probably needs their fire of love reignited. And so feed them. Give them something to drink. Care for them. Look at them and see them in their brokenness and think, how can I reignite your fire? Because it says, don't let evil conquer you. It's another word we don't like to use, evil. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. And you can actually let evil conquer you, you know. It can grab your heart. Get a stronghold on your heart. Don't let it happen. You're the one who has to stop it happening. Don't let it happen. Conquer it by doing good. We're talking about this in my Connect group this week and we're planning what we do to do good to those who have hurt us. And then we all looked at each other and said, if any of us get flowers or get asked out for coffee this week. So we said, we can't do that this week because we'll all think. But you can do good. Start off with blessing people, praying for people. So what we're going to do to finish up, get the worship team back up and um, let's close our eyes. You are so precious. You're so precious. Don't let evil conquer you. Become the glorious, dignified son or daughter of God that you were created to be. Get those gifts and those talents and shine them up and use them to show how amazing God is. Come to him and be filled with his love so you can take it to other people. So just to finish up, I'd like to ask us to take this risky prayer of allowing God to shine his light into our hearts and see if there's anyone in the world who could be far, far from here, world leaders, actors, singers, well-known people, and you despise them and you say negative things about them and you are a child of God. You're not called to do that. God loves them too. You are called to pray blessing on them that they might encounter Jesus. That's what you have the privilege of doing because you have the words to bless. You don't have to agree with them, but you can bless them. Think of people far, far away and ask God, is there anyone in this world of seven point something billion people that I really speak bad things about from the furthest away to maybe as close as around your dinner table and everyone in between? Is there someone that you do not have an attitude of Jesus towards in your heart. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you because he loves that person and you have the ability to bless them. And so as you think of them, confess to God that you maybe hate them. Be real with God. It's just private between you and God. Say, I hate them or I dislike them or offended by them. I'm jealous of them. You fill in the gaps. Tell God. Tell God what it is. And as you repent of that, ask God to give you a new view of them in your heart. Father, say, Father, fill me with love for that person. And say, as Jesus said on the cross, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they do. And Lord, I bless them. So in your heart now, bless them. I bless them with peace and joy. I bless them with an overflowing of love that they would know that they are deeply loved by you, that you have a vision and a plan for their life. I declare healing into their lives from pain and hurt and brokenness throughout their lives. I pray that they would know their vision, their, their gifts, and that they would have a vision 
that lines up with your vision for them and they would run and not grow weary, they'll walk and not faint because they're walking with you. May they flourish in life. May people see Jesus in them. Thank you, God, for giving us the power to bless, the power to use our gifts well and to enjoy it as we do it. Thank you that we get to be called your family. Thank you that you constantly forgive us and make us new. In Jesus' name, amen.